Hey everyone, welcome to my show. I'm Tiffany Blackman. This so-called fabulous is my show and I'm so happy you're here listening today. And we are here to talk about health today because you know it's so important to myself for sure and all of us. Our health is the most important thing. And I want to talk to you about something that I'm so passionate about, and that is heart health. We do have heart disease in my family. And when you have that in your family or any extenuating circumstances or anything medical for sure, it brings you to awareness and it really makes you aware and find out research of what can be done. What am I doing wrong? What's family members doing wrong? What can we do to prevent this? So for years and years and years, I have been involved with American Heart Association. Once upon a time when um, when we would have our Go Red luncheons in Fort Worth, I would be it's a chef that was cooking the meal at lunch or doing um, talk about heart health, food that is great for you and how to prevent heart disease. And I have two fabulous women with me today that I can't even tell you how much I admire. I've known Emile Blaine for a number of years. She is the executive director of the Fort Worth Tarrant County American Heart Association, and she is a go-getter, let me tell you. And Emile, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having us and giving us the opportunity to talk about heart health as we as we know it and as we want it to be. Absolutely. And joining us, we have Dr. Nina Esrani. Now, Nina and Dr. Esrani, she is Texas Health Harris Methodist downtown Fort Worth cardiologist and has so much information to share with you all today. So get your earbuds in, turn your radio on, however you're listening to me today. I want you to tune in. If you aren't suffering from heart disease, I'm quite certain, you're gonna hear the numbers here in a minute, but I'm quite certain that you know someone. So listen up because cardiovascular disease is the number one killer of women, claiming lives of one in three women. So Dr. Ronnie, can you share with us what's going on? Yeah, I mean, I think that's such an important statistic. And thank you again for having me on your program today. Um, Again, cardiovascular disease is the number one killer of women. And so many women think about cancer, especially breast cancer. And that's also very important. But this is the number one killer. It's heart disease more than all forms of cancer combined. Um, And so it's very important that women are aware of that because awareness is the first step to being able to do something about it. Um, Cardiovascular disease kills one woman every 80 seconds in the United States. So that's a very powerful number. um, And so happy to be here to be able to share what that means, but also what we can do to try to change those statistics. It's amazing. I mean, the statistics are staggering. And ladies, I've listened to them for years. And I... I don't mean to sound, um, because I, I have someone recently in my family that knows a, a dear friend and they're now suffering from a heart, suffered from a heart attack and now they're listening. So what is the catalyst? Like what is going on that is driving this disease to be number one? Well, unfortunately, there's just so many things that contribute to the development of heart disease. And all of those things play in together to lead to those outcomes. So a lot of it are just those kind of everyday medical conditions, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, 
diabetes, diet, exercise, smoking, um, and I will happily talk more about all of those things in detail. But, you know, they're kind of those everyday, not very exciting things. But each one of those things is a risk factor for heart disease. And then when you start to put them together, they start to be multiplicative. And so down the road, you're seeing more and more people, including women, um, who have heart disease. And that's amazing to me. When you say over cancer, I mean, it's just unbelievable because this is what, from what you just gave me with the risk factors that, that, that can be managed, right? That's exactly the thing. So the American Heart Association estimates that 80%, so four out of every five heart events that happen could be prevented if we just did a better job with those basic things, eating better, getting exercise, managing our blood pressure, managing our blood sugar or diabetes. So it's just having that awareness of what all of those factors are and then doing what we can to try to control them. If we all did a better job of that, 80% of the heart disease that we see today wouldn't be an issue. Wow. That is amazing. I mean, and, and is it, is it, is it difficult to educate and share this knowledge? You can share it, but acting on it as women. You know, I think both parts are so critical. Um, Our research is showing us that a lot of the women who may be at highest risk for some of these things are the women who aren't hearing the message about all of these things. And so that's why I love doing things like this, because hopefully this is hitting a different audience than the people who are coming into my office. So it's an opportunity to really get that information out there. But unfortunately, a lot of women just aren't aware about heart disease aren't aware about the importance of managing blood pressure and diabetes and all of those things. And we tend to think about diet and exercise in terms of wanting to look good and all of that. But I don't think people are focusing on those things in the same way about this is my health. This is my life. That's absolutely right. Now, Dr. Srani, is is heart disease, and, and forgive my lack of the words or, or, or to express myself, is this a genetic link? Is this genetics, DNA? Is that an op? Is that a? So there is absolutely a genetic component to this for some people. Um, and that's why we say that even if you do everything perfectly, we think it would prevent four out of every five heart events. Unfortunately, some degree of this is just genetic. And despite doing the best that you can, some people will still have heart disease. Um, but certainly all of these other factors play a role in that. Um, and so trying to do our best with them can make a big difference, even despite genetics. So what do you suggest um, someone, what, what, what would, if you're, if I'm sitting in your office and if I come to you as 56 years old, what are we looking for? I mean, what, what would you, okay, why would I come to you in the first place? Does that make sense with my primary care? Or? So some people will just want to seek out a cardiologist because they're concerned about heart disease or they have a family history. They just want more information. Some people will see their primary doctors and because of a risk factor that stands out or an abnormal finding, they'll get sent to us. Um, But I think that the first step is just engaging with the medical profession. So whether that's seeing your primary doctor or a health screening or whatever it is, The hard thing about a lot of those risk factors that we were talking about is that 
you may not even realize that you are at risk. Many people who have high blood pressure don't have any symptoms and don't have any awareness that their blood pressure is high. So they're thinking they're going along living their usual life when in fact there's this untreated condition that's there. Um, diabetes for a lot of people, you know, if you're not getting blood work done to check your blood sugar, cholesterol, if you've never had that checked, you may have those risk factors which could be treated. But until you've talked to a doctor and had that kind of basic screening, um, we may be missing treatable opportunities there. Right, right. So I see a doctor for my hormones, for hormone therapy, postmenopause now. I can't believe that. Where did the time go? And um, she does do a lab, a full lab, full lab work on me quarterly. And many, when I started doing this in my 40s, honestly, the total cholesterol, the HDL, all of that, the different types, and I am not educated. I'm not to talk about this, but I remember just going, oh, okay, okay, just kind of going over it. And about a year ago, she's like, okay, we need to watch this right here. This number right here. Can you explain to us what I'm like? I, I mean, I was just like, like, wait, why? Why? What did I do? And she's like, well, you know what? We just need to watch it. I mean, it's not high at all, but it took a shift in your numbers. So can you tell me about cholesterol and HDL and LDL and good and bad? Absolutely. So most of the time when you get a cholesterol screening done, it should be done fasting, meaning that you haven't eaten anything before. Um, but that is a, um, a good place to start. You have your total cholesterol number then you have your LDL cholesterol number, which in, in kind of simple terms is the lousy cholesterol that we want to be a lower number. So all of those L's kind of go together. Lousy. Um, LDL cholesterol is your healthy cholesterol. And that's the number that we want to be higher. So all of those H's kind of go together. Um, and then the recommendations have changed a little bit. So it's not that there's a magic cutoff number anymore. Um, in general, we look at all of those numbers together with your overall risk and say, okay, if you're really high risk, then we want the LDL to be even lower. If you're not at high risk, then we may let a, a slightly higher number go and talk about working on diet and exercise and those sorts of things instead. Right. Um, unfortunately for women, it is fairly common that as we approach the lovely menopausal years, those numbers will start to shift. Um, and that's just the effect of hormones and aging and all of that. Um, and it does need to be watched. Right, right. I love what you said. And I want everyone to, to listen to this because it's the perfect way for me, layman, to, to understand this. LDL, lousy, you want it low. HDL, high and healthy, correct? Is that correct? I love that. That is, I mean, that makes, that makes sense to me. Okay. So, I mean, I, it, I mean, it, it, it is kind of comical when you look at my numbers going, okay, I thought, I thought it was all supposed to be low and now you're explaining exactly why. So what does all of this, if you weave this in with sugar, blood sugar, I mean, we are a nation of sugar. We eat sugar I mean, and, and the rate of obesity is mind-blowing. Am I correct? Absolutely. Unfortunately, yes, you're right. What in the world? I mean, do you look at, and I have had um, dietitians and physicians on our, my show before, and we talk about fast food nation, and we talk about processed foods. And is that 
I mean, because when I was growing up, my mother cooked, you know, we had garden food, we ate, we ate from the earth and we ate, I mean, we, you know, I, she had fried okra, of course we did, but you know, that was just, we had whole real food. And I'm wondering if that is, is that part of the problem too? Absolutely. I mean, I think that we tend to minimize the importance that diet and exercise, but especially diet, um, play in all of this. And it's very true that the way that we eat and the kinds of foods that we eat have really shifted, especially in the last 50 years. People don't sit down for meals as much anymore. The kinds of meals that we're eating are shifting from home-cooked, fresh ingredients meals to fast food, convenience food meals. And the quality of that food is just not the same. And unfortunately, that has quite an effect on our bodies. A huge effect on our body, correct? How does um, body mass index, which BMI is what the, the those initials stand for, what should, what's a range? I mean, explain that to just assuming we know nothing. So body mass index is a way of taking your height and your weight and coming up with a number that gives a better sense of whether you're in the right range for that. Um, and there is a range. So the normal BMI is between 18 and 25. If you're between 25 and 30, that's the overweight range. And then over 30 is the obesity range. Um, and that's a helpful starting point for people to get a sense of how their height and their weight work out in terms of, are they in a good area for their weight or maybe a little bit overweight or those sorts of things. Um, we always try to to put a little bit of an asterisk next to any kind of the simplistic measurements in the sense that there are going to be people who have a high or a low BMI who are not healthy for some reason or who are healthy. Um, for example, somebody who is an elite athlete may have a higher BMI, but it's largely muscle. Um, and that's a very different situation than somebody who has a higher BMI and and doesn't move very much. And the BMI, we control it with diet and exercise, correct? Correct. So where does pharmaceuticals come in play? Is that a fair question? Is that something that that we, do, do you promote using pharma, pharma, I mean, pharmacy, pharmacy, excuse me, pharmacology? In terms of drug controlling for weight loss? No, as far as controlling heart disease. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so we definitely recommend that people work with their doctors. The first step of most things is going to be diet and exercise um, in terms of trying to see if with better diet, with more activity, can the blood pressure come down? Can the cholesterol numbers come down? Can the blood sugar come down? And many of those things will be responsive, at least to some extent, to good diet and exercise changes. Um, so we'll usually give that several months and see how that's going. And then at a certain stage, if you're not able to make progress beyond that, or for some people, there is clearly a genetic component, and even with perfect diet and exercise, you're never going to get there. And um, for those people, absolutely medications are important. And there are lots of options in terms of medications for blood pressure, for cholesterol, for diabetes. Um, so I think sometimes people are a little fearful about taking medicines and potential side effects and all of that. And we would say, you know, definitely 
have that communication with your doctor. If you're having an issue with the medicine, there may still be lots of other good options that you would do just fine with. So right. we would definitely encourage that. And you just, you just go through your, if we were to come to your office, you would just definitely go through a coaching of how to control the weight, eating healthy, starting your life over. And a 56 year old woman coming into your office or any, well, especially around my age, but it's, it's hard to teach new habits often, right? Absolutely. So one of the things, I mean, we definitely go through the components of healthy diet um, and the recommendations about trying to get more exercise. But in addition to that, one of the things that I often tell patients is that, you know, sometimes when you start with this idea that you need to completely blow things up and start over, it's just really overwhelming. And so rather than approaching it that way, try to think about one change that you're going to make every week or every two weeks. You know, this week I'm going to eat an extra vegetable or an extra fruit. And the week after that, I'm going to get an extra 10 minutes of exercise during my lunch break or, you know, whatever it is, but just those small changes that if you take them step by step at the end of a certain amount of time, you've made some significant progress, but it doesn't feel quite so overwhelming. Right. Is there a population of women or is there a demographic of women that is more at risk to heart disease than the others? Well, I mean, unfortunately, all women are at some risk, um, but certainly we're seeing that, especially our, our minority women, African-American women, Hispanic women um, are disproportionately impacted by heart disease and stroke. Um, and we think that some component of that is that they're not getting as much care for some of the underlying risk factors, but also there may be genetic components for some of these things as well. That's right. Um, as well as socioeconomic impacts. So there are a lot of things that drive that, but absolutely we, um, we do worry a little bit more um, about some of our African-American and Hispanic. So would there be, a, if I came to your waiting room and I don't want to pigeonhole it certainly, but is there an age, is there an age range that it's, it's more likely to be dominant to get, I mean, once heart disease attacks you? It's a moving target. So we used to think that traditionally women would not have issues with heart disease until they were, you know, around 65, kind of past menopause, and then those things would start to declare themselves. And it is true that as you get older, the risk of heart disease for everyone goes up. Um, but unfortunately, we are seeing some very young men and women um, who have heart disease as well. And so I don't think that there's a target age where you can say, okay, now you need to worry about it. I think it's one of those things that's a lot better if in the back of your mind, even from a younger age, you're thinking, what can I do to prevent this and, and keep this under control? And then continue to get that health care to make sure that you're managing those conditions and so that hopefully it's not an issue for you. Right, right, right. What are we doing to teach the younger generations, the Gen Zs and the millennials? Are they aware? Are we teaching in school? What are we doing? So that's a great question. Um, and so the American Heart Association does a questionnaire that talks to women about, you know, what do you think your risks are in terms of your overall health? Um, and we have been making more progress in terms of women having a greater understanding of the fact that they were at risk for heart disease. Um, but new data actually suggests that especially these younger generations of women, the Gen Zs and the millennials, are actually less aware 
um, of the threat of, of heart disease compared to some of the now slightly older generations. Um, so we are trying outreach programs, you know, trying to do community awareness. Um, the American Heart Association does have programs in schools as well. So it's just trying to attack it from all sides and get that information out there as much as we can. Absolutely. And I, because as a, as a young woman back in, in their teens and in twenties, I would have a difficult time putting my arms around, you know, I just think, oh, that's my mother and my grandmother's issues. That's certainly not ours, but I'm sure you see young women in your office, correct? Absolutely. Um, unfortunately, you know, we are seeing more pregnancy related issues as well. And so those are definitely young women. Um, that we're seeing there are a lot of heart rhythm issues. And so, um, and, and even kind of the traditional coronary disease or blockages in the heart arteries, which we do think of as an older person's issue, those things are happening at younger ages. That is amazing. I mean, and, and just getting the education out there for sure. So can you explain to me, my husband has a pacemaker and he, he got a pacemaker, he later in life, 60s possibly and it was a very humbling experience he eats well he's healthy it was just he's he he laughs and and makes fun of himself he's just like you know my ticker's just not working I, it was just broken when i was born so when women and i do have a dear friend that just just i mean bless her heart just had surgery right around christmas she has a pacemaker what is What's going on there that would be the need? It's is it's heart disease, right? It is part of heart disease, um, but heart disease is actually a really big umbrella. And so, um, maybe just to give a little bit of the background of what it is. So, the heart is a muscle that is supposed to squeeze and relax, and in doing so, circulates blood to the rest of the body. The heart has its own arteries or blood vessels that go to it and give it the blood and nutrition that it needs to do its job. And blockages in those arteries are what we traditionally think of as, as heart disease or coronary disease, that sort of thing. But the heart also has its own electrical system. So if you think of the arteries as plumbing, this part is the electrical, which is the part that tells the heart when to beat, how fast to beat, and kind of coordinates it beating in a coordinated fashion so that it works properly. Um, and so some people will have electrical issues and some people will have plumbing issues. And having one does not necessarily imply anything about the other, although you can have both. Um, and so a pacemaker is handling the electrical issue part of things. So there is something about the heart's electrical wiring that's not working right to tell the heart to beat in the right coordinated fashion. And so a pacemaker then provides that backup so that if it's not going to beat at the right time, it will give it that reminder and make it go. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, bringing my husband into this, what is the difference? What are the symptoms? What are the markers between men and women? Is it different? Because I remember when I started working with American Heart years and years, 20 years ago or so. And I heard them say for women, number one killer for women, I went, that's a typo. Somebody put that women instead of men. But what is going on with the difference? Are there symptoms that are different for men and women? Absolutely. Um, so the most common symptom for both men and women is chest, what we call chest pain, but more specifically chest tightness, chest pressure, 
um, that sort of thing. I'm sorry, I'm trying to make this go away and I don't know how. Um, so that's certainly one thing that can happen. Um, but uh, beyond that, there's shortness of breath. So women are more likely to have shortness of breath, kind of more vague symptoms, nausea, um, things that go up into the jaw and the shoulders, between the shoulder blades. Um, and so any of those kind of less specific symptoms are more common in women than they are in men and may not necessarily scream heart disease to somebody. Um, one of the things that we tell people to watch for is that if they're noticing things that seem to happen more with exertion, um, so for example, you're doing your exercise, you're going for a walk and you start to get that feeling and then you stop and you rest and it gets better. That's something that we would want to evaluate. Gotcha. So we've been talking the C word for years, for a couple, for almost a year now, COVID. How does COVID, is it, are we more at risk when we have heart disease of, of contracting COVID? What is going on there and what are we doing to keep uh, our the but the people that are diagnosed with heart disease safe and do is I mean vaccines I know that's a very personal a very personal issue but I mean can you speak about that at all Yes so you know absolutely people who have heart disease um, are at higher risk with COVID so some of the things that we're seeing with COVID you know obviously the older age. Um, and then all of those risk factors that play into heart disease as well. So people who have high blood pressure, who have diabetes, who are overweight or obese, um, and also people who have heart disease, all of those things are considered risk factors for if you get COVID, having a, a more severe course with it. Right. Um, so we definitely encourage people with those risk factors to, to be careful. And vaccinate, right? If it's, are they, they, they're more likely to get the vaccination to be further up in line, correct? Yes. And so most places, I mean, there's some variability from, from location to location in terms of what their uh, criteria are in terms of who can get the vaccine. Um, but for us, after healthcare workers, it's that next tier patients who are at older ages who have those other health conditions. Um, they are in that next tier to be eligible to get the vaccine. And many of our patients have already gotten it. And so we are absolutely encouraging patients, if they feel comfortable with it, to go ahead and get the vaccine. Um, we do think that it's a safe and important thing uh, to do to protect their health. Absolutely. I know Tarrant County is working very, very hard to get this done and get everyone vaccinated, definitely the ones in need. So I have a question for you, and I hope it's an appropriate question. Um, with our, with what we're talking about, but I have a girlfriend that has COPD and, but that is lungs. Is that correct? That's more dealing with the lungs, right? Correct. Okay. Yep. Nothing to do with heart disease though, right? It doesn't. Um, so COPD or changes in the way that the lungs function so that you don't breathe as effectively. Um, there's not a direct correlation to heart disease, although we do end up seeing a lot of those patients just because when people are short of breath, sometimes initially, especially, it's hard to sort out whether it is heart or lung. And so we'll look into both. Right. And she was really adamant that she, she knew that I was doing this interview today. And she was adamant. She said, I'm so worried. And it's just, you know, and she said, it's a lack of education and has never been a smoker. So just 
just it's just one of those those things that it's a lack of lack of education and and knowledge of course and knowledge is huge big power right absolutely so emil so tell me what american heart association is doing and has been doing for years and years to help us so as you know February is Heart Month. We're so excited to be able to continue to bring awareness to everyone about what we're doing as an organization. And Go Red for Women is the campaign that we specifically focus on women's uh, health, uh, specifically around reducing heart disease, uh, heart attack, and stroke in women. Um, and, And so on February 5th, as you know, will be Go Red Day. So we encourage everyone to wear red, but we also want to make sure that people also pay attention to a few things. Go Red also means G, get your numbers. Ask your doctor to check your numbers. A lot of times women do not take care of themselves first. We take care of everyone else, but we take care of our, ourselves last. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with taking care of yourself. It's not a selfish act to uh, take care of yourself. And so we want to make sure that women are empowered and know that this is the time for them to be able to do that. And O, we want you to own your lifestyle. Um, it's, you know, we just talked a lot about, you know, different groups that have higher risks and women uh, who do a lot of things to really hurt themselves. So we ask that you own your lifestyle by stopping smoking, lose some weight, um, exercise a little more, those types of things. So that's the O in Go Red. In R for Go Red, we want you to realize that you are at risk. A lot of women do not know that it is the number one killer. Heart disease is the number one killer for women. Uh, but we want you to understand that you are at risk. Um, and so just realize it and t- pay attention to it and then take the action steps it, it, that you need in order to be able to get yourself in a better place. E, educate your family. Really important. If I'm eating food, your family's eating your food, right? Uh, it's hard to be on a diet by yourself. And I think that that's really what happens is that, you know, you're eating some fruits and vegetables, but your your kids are eating and your husband is eating, um, you know, a hamburger and some French fries. And there's nothing wrong with some of that. But at the end of the day, it's really important for you to both be on the same page with what are you doing? You know, what are you doing? How are you eating? Go as a family uh, to walk. Uh, It it doesn't cost money to go out and walk. Uh, So go as a family, but educate your family about really what are we doing? The amount of sugar that we're taking in, it has a direct impact on our health. We need to make sure that we take some time to educate our family. And then lastly, don't be silent. You know, women, we suffer in silence a lot of times with our own stuff, right? We don't talk to anybody else about what's going on with us. And we want to make sure that women recognize that we're a support system in in and of ourselves. You know, who's going to understand women other than women? And so together, we're empowering women to beat heart disease and stroke and do some amazing things at the American Heart Association. Well, that's amazing because I love what you said because it's so true. We don't take care of ourselves. I mean, we we do take care of ourselves, but we put ourselves on the back burner, and oh, that's normal. Burner. We're mamas. We're we're you know, and it's 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 we're mamas and sisters and friends, and we take care of everyone, but ourselves. You know, and yeah. so and it's just the way it is, and you can't do that. 
No, no, you got to take care of yourself because if you don't have your own health first, if you don't have your own health, uh, then you can't take care of anybody else. You can't do all the 900 things that women do uh, to save the world every day <laughs> and to do the things that we need to do in order to help to support our families, to do things at work, those types of things. So we have to take care of ourselves for sure. How much does stress, uh, by, how much does this feed into this? Because we are so stressed. We're stressed. I look at the young women that are are homeschooling their children, virtually teaching their children, trying to juggle a job, worrying about their their partner. Um, what are you seeing and what do we do about stress? There, there is a lot of stress and stress absolutely uh, plays a factor in heart disease, strokes, uh, those types of things. And so to that end, what we need to do is just take a minute to breathe. Um, it's okay to take some time to really um, sit back, relax, and take some time to breathe. Uh, get your five minutes in where you can during the course of the day. Get up, walk around, go outside, uh, breathe some fresh air. Um, in addition to that, really looking at your day, what's really helped a lot of women that we've talked to in recent time is to schedule it out. Literally schedule in um, all the things that you have to do during the course of the day. And if you don't get it all done, it's okay. We stress about all the things that we have to do, but some of those things is not are things that we don't have to do today. Maybe we can do that thing tomorrow, or maybe that's a priority that we can do next week. But as long as we can try to take some of that away from the day uh, and really take some time to enjoy uh, yourself for at least a couple of minutes, then I think that that's cr critically important. And now that we're in the face of Zoom and we have meetings back to back to back to back, uh, one of the great things that I've been able to do, and I know a lot, lot of women are able to do, is schedule a 45-minute meeting or a 15-minute meeting. So you take that last 15 minutes just to decompress and to get ready mentally for that next meeting. But to to literally block off time during the course of your day to take a minute for yourself to really decompress and to de-stress. Absolutely. I love that. And I need to listen to what you're saying. And and <laughs> because I don't do that, I certainly don't. I'm trying to get better at it for, for sure. So what is American Heart Association doing for education? So the schools were, there's a lot of virtual learning. So talking about the Gen Z's and the millennials. Okay. So what are we doing in the school systems and the learning systems and institutions to teach these young women? And then what are we doing? What are you doing um, as an organization to help women between our ages, my ages and above and that, that 30, 40? So great question. And I just want to, once again, thank you so much for bringing it up because a lot of people don't understand that our young people are really struggling in, in their own right. Um, it's critically important for us to continue to keep speaking to the things that are happening with our young people. Um, the American Heart Association has a STEM uh, program that we do on an annual basis, which we're very excited about. This year, we will be doing that with the 11th and 12th grade young women uh, to talk to them about uh, heart disease and stroke. And we'll also have a program that we'll be doing that with Baylor Scott and White 
uh, and some other entities that we've been working with. Uh, we're excited for some partnerships that we have potentially uh, that we'll announce sometime soon as soon as we're able to lock and load those. Uh, but that is an initiative that comes out of the Go Red campaign. So as you know, uh, Go Red for Women is our is our major campaign as, as relates to uh, speaking specifically to women and now young girls about uh, heart disease, hypertension, and stroke. So that's our, our vehicle to do that. And our STEM program is one of those ways that we're able to do that. We also have community impact initiatives that are going on in the this, in this city of Fort Worth and, of course, in the county of Tarrant County that's being led by uh, just a really amazing uh, Her name is Remake doing work with young people to help them to understand uh, what, what they need to do in order to be able to reduce their, their levels of stroke. And we're working with some community partners to get those things done. Um, uh, so we're really excited about those things as well. Uh, Bree is also working very closely with, um, as I said, some community partners who, are, who have a lot of uh, influence in the neighborhoods uh, that really have been impacted by structural racism. As an organization, we're looking to change that, to work with communities, especially those who are uh, higher impact, uh, highly impacted by uh, heart disease and stroke. And typically those have been those communities that have faced structural racism in the last you know, however many years. Our goal as an organization by 2024 is to really do some real work in these communities and partner with organizations in, um, uh, that will help us to do those types of things in our communities. Well, you know, women, we, we, like we were talking about, we don't have time. We are either raising families or career or both and, uh, or in school perhaps. And we, yeah. we don't have time, but I think just in my opinion, and, and we've watched 2020 um, move forward. And when this when this airs, it'll be February of 2021. But I think the silver lining for one of the silver linings of COVID is um, we've learned how to educate. We've learned learned how to communicate digitally uh, and virtually. And I would assume for the women and men that need to be educated from the American Heart Association. I mean, I'm speaking to you via Zoom, which is, who knew this would be a thing, right? I'd have to get <laughs> yes. dressed up and come and see you, but, um, and, or get to get dressed up at this point, you know, but yeah. it would be, it's to me, the education is at your fingertips now, right? I mean, you have to Absolutely. see that, right? Absolutely. Uh, and that's the one wonderful thing that, about the American Heart Association. We have so many resources on www.heart.org uh, that you can just literally click and press and play. Um, we're super excited to have just had our scientific sessions, but for the first time ever by Zoom, um, where all of our medical community came together, our you know key uh, influencers across the, the cr across the country. Our CEO Nancy Brown led that initiative uh, along with the national team. So it was wonderful to be able to do that. And I got to believe that there are people now who probably would not have been able to come to things like a scientific sessions that were able to really participate this year because it was virtual. Right. Uh, we are also doing infomercials and lunch and learns uh, with the companies that we're working with uh, to really 
make sure that their employees are not being lost in the wash here during the midst of this um, this time uh, where we're all in a virtual space. Uh, we are committed as an organization to make sure that we are exemplifying good, healthy practices. We wear masks in our office, we wash our hands, we socially distance, uh, but we are also in a virtual space. These types of things are things that are innovations. Uh, I know that COVID uh, is not the is was not a good thing, uh, but I know what it has done is it's 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 had us to look at how do we innovate and how do we impact communities in a whole different way, and one of one of the ways we're doing this is like through your your um your podcast. This is super important, and we we may not have even explored this option before. You know, you probably just would have come to the luncheon, and you know we would have had a good good luncheon. You know, been on our way kind of thing, but. This is something that will live in perpetuity and people will be able to refer back to it uh, and have really great information to share not only with their families, but other with other women. So we want to thank you once again for the opportunity to be here. Absolutely. And, you know, last year we tried to do this and we were, of course, we were starting our lockdown. And, yeah. um, you know, it was how much we've learned in a year of how mm -hmm. to communicate is beyond, I would have never thought I would, <laughs> I would be talking to a screen and you girls like this, but it, it, it has it to me, like you said, this podcast will last forever and people can go back to it. And, and I, I'm assuming that statistics change yearly. Are we going up in heart disease? Are we, are we plateauing? Where are we with heart disease? I'm going to allow Dr. Esrani to kind of speak to that. Uh, you know, as as she said before, it's a it's a moving target. We continue to see numbers in growth. Uh, Dr. Esrani, you want to speak to that? Well, you know, it's kind of interesting. I mean, we are doing better in terms of the outcomes of a lot of these things. Um, so I think that speaks a lot to the research and the fact that that when we are seeing these patients, they're doing better. But unfortunately, when you look at those risk factors that we were talking about, you know, obesity going up, diabetes going up, blood pressure going up. And so when you look at all of those things, it's hard to feel like we've made huge progress necessarily because as all of those risk factors are going up, we're going to see the associated issues of heart disease and, and all of that coming along with it. Wow. So in some ways we've made great progress, but in some ways we still have a long ways to go. Exactly. And Dr. Zorani, I have in my notes and I failed to ask you in the, in the, in the first portion of the podcast, but can you talk to me about the difference between stroke and heart attack? What is the difference? So a heart attack is generally speaking, what we're talking about is a blockage in the arteries that feed the heart muscle. And so when that happens, you're not getting good blood flow to that heart muscle, and that muscle starts to essentially die until we can go in and open it back up and restore that blood flow. A stroke is a similar process, but instead of involving the heart, it's involving the brain. So in the same way, the brain has arteries that feed the brain the blood flow that it needs, and if there's a sudden blockage in one of those branch arteries, then that causes a brain attack or a stroke. Um, but the same thing, very important to seek urgent medical care in both situations because time is muscle or time is brain. And the sooner we can get in and open those things up, the better the chances are for a good recovery. 
Okay. Would you forgive my lack of knowledge on this, but could I have a heart attack and or stroke and not know it? It is possible. Yes. Oh my Um, that's actually a more complicated question than you realize. (laughs) Um, so for some people who are diabetic, especially and that sort of thing, they may have a heart attack and never really feel much of anything. Um, the other thing is that sometimes people have a heart attack and feel something, but just don't recognize that that's what it was. So they just had a terrible night of indigestion, but the next day they started to feel better and it never occurs to them that that actually was a heart attack that was happening. Um, similarly, a lot of people's stroke symptoms can be subtle. So, you know, we talk about for stroke, looking at the face, looking at the symmetry of the face in terms of the eyes and the mouth, and the way that your speech is, looking at your body, do you know, do both sides of your hands, your feet, are they the same strength and all of that? Um, but people can have more subtle changes, visual changes, that sort of thing, um, that can be a marker of stroke that they just don't recognize that that's what it is. It happened with my mother. It happened with my mother. My mother had uh, two heart attacks and a mini stroke and never knew it. Uh, By the time she got to her cardiologist, she found out that she had had two strokes and they eventually uh, implanted a stent in her heart uh, to to try to open up the the passages there. So um, very common uh, from, you know, certain, certain, certain instances and um, that's another reason why our Go Red for Women movement is so super important, especially to women. Um, um, we have to make sure that women are aware of what those the heart attack symptoms are for women versus the heart attack symptoms for men. Uh, we also want to make sure that they know that you know hypertension really plays a huge role in all of that. Uh, and we want to make sure that they understand what the s- signs and symptoms are of stroke. Uh, stroke month is coming up on us uh, as well. Uh, we'll be coming up in the month of May. Um, so to that end, we're, you know, once again, right now, focused on making sure that women understand that it's a movement. Go Red for Women is a movement. It's a year-round process and where we've had a luncheon and now it will be a digital experience on April 23rd. Um, this movement is year-round. We we don't want to, you know, take the pedal off the metal to really help women to understand that these things are critically important for them to understand and for us to communicate with them and for them to use us as a resource. The American Heart Association has been doing the Go Red for Women uh, campaign for over 17 years, and it's really funded through that luncheon and the uh, Go Red um, initiative that we've done, it's really funded life-saving women's research. Just come to find out that there hasn't been a lot of research done with African-American women as it relates to heart disease and stroke. So this is critically important for us to be able to fund these types of, of, of uh, projects. And one of them is being funded at the University of Texas at Arlington. We're very proud that the American Heart Association is really putting in money to do specific research around African-Americans, African-American women um, as it relates to what happens with ha- hypertension in them. So I'm very excited to be able to lift this, you know, continue to lift up um, the Go Red for Women campaign as a year-round initiative uh, but we do encourage you once again to get involved with us on April 23rd at our at our digital experience. 
that April 23rd, that is the digital experience with the luncheon, which we've had in the past, of course, and everything yeah. like we've talked about to change and everything. So well, we can, what can I do? What can my followers and community do to help you? What can we do? Well, oh my goodness, there's so many things you can do. One, have us back on the podcast. We'd love to come back to yes. talk more about this. Uh, as I said, it's a year-round campaign. This is not something that we're only concerned about, you know, in the month of February or those types of things. On February the 5th, we encourage you highly to wear red. Uh, wear red day is on Friday. It re- really raises awareness about heart disease and strokes, and it really saves lives. Um, so we really encourage all women to wear Red, everyone can wear red on that day, of course, but we want to make sure that um, women really understand that that's a, a, a wonderful way to bring some awareness about uh, heart disease, stroke, and, and, um, and hypertension. We want you to be able to do that. Please, if you would, share on your social media hashtag Real Red Day when you do wear your red post, please. Uh, once again, it helps us to. Um, you know, talk to women, raise awareness, those types of things. And then we also hashtag Tarrant County Go Red, if you would, please, when you're sharing on your social media. Um, and, and so we, we ask that you would support us um, by donating uh, to that Go Red campaign. We're very excited this year that we have a new part of the campaign. So this is breaking news. Um, we have a new part of the campaign called Women of Impact. We really want to highlight women who are interested in uh, helping us at a higher level of, by putting together a team of, of people who are willing to fundraise and also to raise awareness and do community impact initiatives in their communities. Uh, it's going to kick off on February 28th. And so we're looking for our women of impact. So if you're interested in becoming a woman of impact, we'd love to have you. Uh, it will culminate uh, on April 23rd at our digital experience. And so to that end, we will announce who has raised the most money and also got raised the most points because you'll also be able to get points for your community impact initiatives. So we would love to have any and any of all of you who are interested in being a woman of impact to really help to take that next level for women of impact. We'll announce our first uh, woman of Impact uh, on April 23rd at our digital experience. We're very excited for it. What a great event that will be as well. And uh, I'm going to do everything I can because all of you listening, one in three women die of heart disease and stroke each year. One in three. And let's not be one of those. And let's protect everyone. And I can't tell you, too, how much I appreciate you being here and sharing this incredible information with so many of us that we need and some of us that are not even thinking about it. Yeah, we thank you once again for the opportunity. Uh, please have us back. Dr. Zrani is just one of our most ardent volunteers and uh, has served as president of our board. And we're so very proud of all the things that she does uh, every day to help uh, people in our community, especially in Fort Worth, Tarrant County, to live better lives. And she's always been a great proponent for women. And so we want to thank her on behalf of the organization. 
uh, for her commitment to the American Heart Association. And thank you for your commitment to the American Heart Association as well. You've been a long-term supporter. And when you talk about energy, whose energy is bigger than yours? So thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Zani. It's so nice to meet you. And yes, thank you for all of your tireless hours and volunteering and helping saving women's lives, men and women, of course. But thank you so much. Oh, thank you again for having me and for spending time on this important topic. So Absolutely. I really appreciate that. Emil, it's good to see you. It's good to talk to you, precious. And I cannot wait to just give you a big hug. And um, everyone, go Red, American Heart Association. How can we find you? Tell us a uh, social media, website, anything you want to share. Please come, go to www.heart.org. Check us out. Of course, click and go specifically to that Fort Worth, Tarrant County page. We're so excited to be able to get information out about all of our campaigns. We have Cycle Nation coming up uh, on May the 8th, May the 15th. Super excited about that. That's going to be a ride where you are type of experience. And Heart Challenge, of course, has Heart Walk in the in the uh, in the fall. And of course, we have the heart of Tarrant County, which is our heart ball coming up on June the 4th. So join us, join us, join us. Come seek us out. Absolutely. We'll do it. And I'm going to do a blog post and we're going to have all of this information on my blog post. And we are going to have this out the week of uh, Go Red in February. This podcast will come out. So I'm so excited. It'll be live and we want as many people to listen to it as possible. And thank you again, everyone, for listening to me and, and listening to this incredible information that is needed across the world, for sure. And everyone, go and follow me at Tiffany C. Blackman on Instagram and Facebook. You can find me there. And hey, go and rate and review this podcast and tell us what you want to hear. And everyone, be safe, be healthy, go red, and keep being fabulous. Fabulous.